here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.6 FM in Bloemfontein. So, so much happening. I think some of us may have missed it, but it is Pride Month and we are going to be giving airtime and space and reflections uh, to people who are either gay, lesbian, LGBTQ communities. And I suppose more than anything, my intention with this conversation and other conversations to come is representation, giving space for representation, because representation is important in us having better understanding and that also leads to more tolerance okay love will i suppose come later for some maybe decades from now but at least if we can achieve the tolerance bit that's really all i'm really after today so i ask you to listen with a little bit of an open heart an open mind um this is not a conversation about whether you like people who are gay or not I, I, I'm going to plead with you not to bring that frustration on what I am asking you to do though is to maybe listen and let's listen with an open heart so my very first guest in this series is Dr. Bev Dietzi who is an activist and a filmmaker she joins me now on the line a very good afternoon and thank you so much for making the time to talk to us Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Pimelo. It's good to be talking to you and good afternoon to all the listeners. As, as always, really wonderful to talk to you. And, and I, I, you came to mind because you represent a generation that was at the very beginning of, of, of acti- activism in this country for the LGBTQ community. And, mm-hmm. and it was also a, a bit of a lonely journey. I mean, some, sometimes people look at you now and they think that you're celebrated and, and it was was all glorious it wasn't will you take us back when when you reflect back to those very very early days what are your reflections i think you know if, if we have to look at the the difference between now and then is that i i i look around with so much pride when i see so many out young people even under all kinds of challenges that we still face when i was growing up i knew absolutely nobody like me Mm. and what that means is that you are alone in your thinking in your feelings and you're thinking that you are you know you you must obviously be some kind of an anomaly because Mm. then how are you going to exist and live in a space where you are the only one you know um so it took a while for me to find a sense of community amongst um those who were like me in that you know i would find a friend who would say oh yeah no i've also got a friend and we all hang out together and i think in in those days in the mid 80s in particular we were talking about you know state of emergency by 1986 we were talking a lot of turmoil and strife in the townships and this is around the time when i was slowly finding a community of of um young queer people like me um, and that, that I think, is what started to transform my life and, and affirm me. Because more than anything, I needed to know that I was not crazy, mm. that I'm, I'm not an anomaly. And it, it was trickier for a woman, right? So, so here, yes, was a, a gay community, and, it, and on the surface, mm-hmm. it's also very welcoming. But it also, like many struggles, sometimes they, they prioritize certain things, and you were pushing for but let's hang on a minute as a woman i also have other things to say about being lesbian 
being a woman. It's mm-hmm. not just being in a gay community. Yes, we are fighting together, but we mm-hmm. also have specific rights as women. We, we also have differences that need to be attended to. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were called, we, when we were growing up, mm-hmm. there were, um, a friend of mine, uh, Reverend Paul, says we were nine gay boys and a lesbian, oh. and that would be me. And we were walking up and down the streets between Middlelands Zone 1 and Orlando West. Um, you know, and I think the, the interesting thing about that is that I didn't feel as isolated, mm-hmm. even though I was the only one who was um, female, you know, assigned female at birth right then were amongst the gay boys. It was, we were a community. Mm-hmm. These were my people. This was my chosen family. Um, I was welcomed and I was affirmed um, in those spaces at the time. Um, so... It, it, it just continued, though, unfortunately, in that I continue to find myself a yeah. lot of the time alone amongst yeah. the gay men. Even as, as I grew older, um, there were fewer and fewer of us who were coming out, which also tells you a lot about patriarchy. Mm-hmm. And it tells you a lot about the things that women face, because, you know, in, one of the people that I've been talking to just now was saying, if, if you are a woman and you still cannot choose how you define yourself, you cannot choose your sexuality. Are you really free? You know, you, you say that um, about the fact that you felt at home, especially in the beginning, but structurally that posed its own problems. So within GLOW, for instance, when you went to Beijing, you had caused some tension. So your very mm. own community was uncomfortable with you prioritizing the rights of a woman in the gay community and i think that continues to be the case um when when i mean i'm sure that this is something that we experience especially as black women mm. when um you are on the one hand you know that you stand with your blackness and your black brothers on the other hand you know that as a woman the brothers are not actually looking at us as human beings mm. when you look at the level of violence mm. we face mm. um and the, and the lo- and the level of discrimination that we face and so you're constantly torn between your your womanness and your blackness. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, your queerness when it comes into, into play. So even the, the whole Beijing conference, there was really a, 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 I would say, a disconnect amongst some of my um, gay fellow brothers, you know, in, in what the women's conference would mean because mm-hmm. as far as they were concerned gay and lesbian issues and queer issues didn't have anything to do inside a women's conference or in a women's space um, and that disconnect sometimes still plays itself out now not all the time it's st- it, but we are still living under patriarchy isn't it interesting that it it, it, it took you saying okay I'll stand on my own. It's interesting for me, for people who understand oppression, and it happens everywhere in many spaces, mm-hmm. who, who themselves have been discriminated against, don't understand it when someone says, there's another level of discrimination that I'm feeling right now. So mm-hmm. people don't understand that men don't experience corrective rape like women do. You know, there are certain distinct problems that women face and that you have to explain that to people who themselves were feeling discriminated against. Well, and and it continues. Uh, I think what astounds me is those who call themselves freedom fighters but are okay to be oppressive to other people. 
then do not call yourself a freedom fighter. Call yourself a power monger. You don't want freedom. Because how do you then claim to want freedom for all when you are so okay for others to be oppressed? And I speak here specifically about the way our brothers oppress women. Mm -hmm. I'm being specific in this particular case. In fact, um, somebody uh, was saying something the other day to say, isn't it interesting how a lot of you see a lot of people come out, uh, you know, for for Collins Causa, you see a lot of people come out, Mm -hmm. men, black men, who are Mm -hmm. uh, enraged by the discrimination as black people we're facing Mm -hmm. around the world. Mm -hmm. That rage is yet to come through for how women are being brutally killed and and abused Mm -hmm. and so on. We're yet Mm -hmm. to see them understand the oppression and and how we're being killed, and yet Mm -hmm. they cry of the racism, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, And these are very similar. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of it's you know if yeah. you can understand I mean, I racism, quickly, yeah. Um, you know, we we I think a lot of us are moving away from using the words corrective and rape as a sentence because that also has an implication that mm. there is something that that oh. is to be corrected mm-hmm. or that something will be corrected mm. through the violence perpetrated um, mm. through mm. the actor. Are you, and, 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 and I fully hear that. And, and I was in fact saying to my colleagues yesterday that we also need to, and that's exactly why this conversation is important, that we have to open ourselves up to more, to better ways of loving, to better ways of understanding, so mm. that we, we get closer to what is the truth about, mm-hmm. if we say, as you said, if you said you are an activist and you said you are, uh, you know, a human rights activist, then... There is more you can do. There's more you can do. You can't stop mm-hmm. here. You, you've got to advance mm-hmm. yourself and keep learning. Yes. Are you surprised at, I am certainly surprised, that we still don't have the entire world see gay rights as human rights? Um, well, sometimes it surprises me too. But I think I've been, I mean, you know, being a lesbian all my life, it's something that I just kind of look at now like, okay, you know, in the same way that the homophobes expect us to accept them as, as the homophobes they are. It's, I am here, I exist, whether somebody approves of my existence or not is not going to unexist me. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, you know, we can be shocked and surprised. I think the shock and surprise for me is that up till today, in all my 40 years of activism, mm-hmm. I have not come across a single person that can give me a, a specific reason why. Like, I have not come across somebody who will tell me, oh, practically speaking or in other ways, this is why I discriminate against you. I, I have not had anybody tell me anything that is different to what I, the, the rhetoric and the rhetoric itself does not make any sense. What What's the impact, for instance, on your on your live on your lived experience, on deciding, for instance, to go to Kenya? Because that's that's how we have to see it. In in that, if you chose to go to Kenya as a lesbian woman, what are, what does that mean for you? Um, it 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 does does a lot. To consider, mm. but may I please put a little bit of context, mm-hmm. Pamela? Mm-hmm. I am in I, I am in a privileged position mm. as a Black South African who is able to travel to mm-hmm. Kenya, mm-hmm. who is able to get on a plane and choose where to go in Kenya. Mm-hmm. You know, can we begin here at home even mm. just about 
the amount of lesbians, amount of trans people that I know, whether they be trans women or trans men, Mm -hmm. who are not able to just get a regular job because their visibility Mm. in their gender identity makes them such targets of hate and discrimination. Mm. It's it's for me as visceral and as simple as that. Mm -hmm. People being discriminated against in their workplaces and they have no recourse because discrimination is a norm. You know, whether it is at schools, the bullying that happens because somebody looks a little different or sounds more effeminate or sounds more masculine than what is deemed normal. Mm -hmm. And I hate using that word. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I was trying to find a different one. Um, But it, it is incredible the level of awareness we have when we walk out the door. And this is just a regular every day. When um, the lockdown started, I went to the shops and I was wondering, here's this young person who is a gender non-conforming, who probably goes by day. I don't know because I didn't ask. But they were walking next to me and eventually they said to me, you know, look, I'm just attaching myself to you because I'm seeing a lot of hostility and right now I'm feeling too vulnerable and too scared. So I just said, come, we just keep walking. And we were just shopping. This was not necessarily somebody who was a friend, but we were shopping. And by the time we got to the checkout and walked out the door, you know, they said, thank you. I'm just going to get back home. And that was just shopping at the shop. And this person was scared because they were already getting hostile looks because they don't look what fits people's ideas of what we should look like. Bev, you did a beautiful film, not so, I mean, I don't know how long ago this is, but um, it stayed with me, Simon and I. Um, And it stayed with me for many reasons, one of which was that we... I, we haven't celebrated Simon, I suppose, in the way that we should in this country. And he was a pioneer. He put us on the map. He, He really gave a lot. Um, yes. to the community. Your reflections on, on his contribution to, to an ad- ad- advancement of, the, of this activism? You know, you know, I think what one of the reasons I made the film, Simon and I, was exactly that, was that it's so easy to erase us and to erase our history. And it's so easy for others to then come and write about <laughs> us in all kinds of ways that are sometimes a little bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Because the way that particularly the Western world and particularly the white um, authors and academics still refer to black people, to activists, to women, to lesbians, to gay people in, through the lens of the, their white supremacy. And so we are constantly being told who we are. Um, and so I took up the task of making films like Simon and I and all the subsequent films that I do make in order because you, you also spoke of representation earlier. Yes. Simon and Cody was an incredible activist who understood the nuances of being oppressed in different multitudes of layers. And so, you know, you have people now and activists and academics speaking of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. When Simon Nkodi stood at the first Pride March and said, I am black and I am gay. Mm-hmm. I cannot separate the two parts of myself into secondary or primary struggle. They shall be one. Because we are a multi-layered people. I, I, I am oppressed because I am black, I am gay, I'm from a poor community, um, I am underserved, I am also a lesbian. Mm. 
you know, and so Simon brought all these to the fore and made us understand these intersections of all our different struggles. But not only just us. Simon was in prison with some of yeah. the people who are members of parliament and leaders right now. And as a result of being in, in prison and, and being there to talk and explain and conscientize, we were able to get a headway into the kind of constitution that is lauded world over right now. Um, and this is just one man who, through his own activism, his own particular style of activism, was able to speak to the different leaders who were then colleagues and fellow prisoners. Um, and so, so, and no, he is not celebrated enough. I do agree. We should, you know, there are Simon and Cody days in different parts of the world, mm-hmm. there should be a Simon and Cody Day in South Africa. I'm in conversation with Dr. Bev Dietzi, who is an activist and filmmaker, and we're talking a Pride Month. We'll continue this conversation after the break, and you're more than welcome to be a part of it. I see your SMSs. I'm going to read them just now. 0891-104-207. Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM. 106.2 FM in We're celebrating Pride Month and my guest this afternoon is Dr. Bev Dietzi, who is an activist and filmmaker. She's currently busy with another film, but before we get to it, we were just, uh, before we went to the to the break, we were talking about a friend of, her, of, of hers that she made a beautiful film about. It was called Simon and I. That was the name of the film. Simon Gordy, um, who was a pioneer, really, for me, I think, uh, is not celebrated enough. And he was multifaceted, as Bev was saying, that we owe a lot of his work, his contribution, um, led to us having the kind of constitution that we have that in- is inclusive of, of, of gays and lesbians and their rights as well. So... You, you are still busy, you know, just reflecting on Simon's contribution, Bev. I, I'd cut you off there. No, 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 not a problem. Um, Simon, you just also made me just kind of go back into thinking about him a little bit more also. Not that he's far from my thoughts, mm. um, but he was, he was a mentor. He was a leader. He was a political activist. He, he was also just a all-round really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and, and I think it's, it's important to also contextualize him. As you said, he, he was black and he was gay. And mm-hmm. his blackness also had other layers, okay? So mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he had been on the death penalty, um, he was, he, yes, this is at the, at the Delmas at, treason at, trial. As, yes, at the Delmas treason trial. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he has, you know, he was in prison. He, he was an activist in other areas as well. And so mm-hmm. that context um, is very important as well. He, he was HIV positive. He was, he was an AIDS activist as yeah. well, yeah. Um, I think, you know, somebody, I remember having a bit of an argument with someone who said gay people only look out for themselves and they are only fighting for themselves and, and nobody else. And I remember being astounded at the level of um, ignorance mm. because it is assumed that we live in some kind of vacuum, mm-hmm. that we don't live in the same mm-hmm. communities that everybody else lives mm. in. 
Yeah. And so, because then, <laughs> obviously, then we are the sum total of our sexual yes. orientation and nothing yes. else. Yes. That does not make sense. I'm not a one-dimensional being. Mm. And I think Simon really brought mm. that to the fore for all of us because he was a young student <laughs> activist living in Sibugeng. Um, and it is through his activism in Sibukeng that he was rounded up with other activists and put in prison and accused of being, you know, one of the murderers of a councillor in 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 in, in Sibukeng Township. Um, so so you know, fighting for all our rights. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. all our rights. He, that's one of the things that he taught me is to, to be able to speak for oneself and to be able to articulate the fact that I, I don't live in, on some, in some kind of ivory tower mm. on, in some vacuum. We are in the same townships having the same struggles with power outages during the entire lockdown with no water in in our schools we living in the exact same situations as you and I. Mm. The only difference is that I have the mm-hmm. added <laughs> oppression of being constantly victimized. Let me take you back a little, Bev. There's some audio that I want to play for all of us. Okay. I firstly started in 1982. That is was when I became aware that uh, gay movement is needed for black people in our country. But at the time, I really didn't know how to organize uh, ourselves. I didn't know who to go to because many gay people are in are very um, invisible you know you, you cannot really know who is gay who is not gay you know people are not written whether they gay or not um, I looked at the way I as a person struggle to come out all the fight, all the emotional I went through. And I said, hang on, I wasn't alone on that situation, or I couldn't have been alone, you know. There must be other gay people who find themselves in the same situation as I am. Sure. So that's the voice of Simon Cody, and that mm. the, the voice brings him so alive, Bev. Yes. It brings him so alive, and I just thought, you know, wow, wow. It's like he's sitting right next to us. Bev, you're busy uh, with another film at the moment. I'm busy with another film. Um, did you hear how gentle he mm. was? You know, yeah, we I, actually like, spoke about that before when we were busy with the clip. We, that's exactly was, what we said. All you, all that's missing is, I mean, he's speaking pain, but he giggled a lot too, and, and he in laughed fact, a lot too. And in fact, I I visualized him because he was also so gentle in his in yes. his in his demeanor, right? Yes. So even when he spoke, he, there was a lot of gentleness. So I visualized, and I didn't just hear the the, the, the voice, oh, and yes. and I could see his hands so so very elegantly moving around because he do he, did that a lot. He was beautiful. He was beautiful. He was beautiful. Absolutely. He was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. I I am making and actually started making during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Started making a film on. Um, the lesbian visibility in Beijing, incidentally, um, speaking about Beijing. This is supposed to be 25 years of commemorating the Women's Conference. And one of the reasons it's commemorated is obviously it was the largest gathering of civil society and women still in history. I think between 30 and 40,000 women descended upon the city of uh, Beijing in China. 25 years ago, and what is very 
little known is the level of lesbian visibility that we had at the NGO forum. A lot of people know that I spoke at the main conference, which was the official conference, mm-hmm. and it was the first time that anyone, um, any woman, any lesbian had ever yeah. publicly spoken yeah. in that space. But what you know, a lot of people don't know is everything else that happened in that mm-hmm. 10 days mm-hmm. that made this the largest, most successful visibility campaign in history. Um, and so this is the film. Um, I kind of sat down and went online with a lot wow. of the political giants who yeah. were there, who made things possible, who were fighting for recognition sure. in the Platform for Action and in the United Nations documents to make sure that we are known and we are represented. And that's the film. It's a short film. At the moment, it's still a short film coming out at the end of July. And I'm very excited about it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for talking to us. And and again, I mean, I look forward to that film. As you said, it will be available in July. Always lovely talking to you. Um, Thank you. Awesome. And I'm very happy for the invitation. Oh, I love it. I've got to read this. I've got to read this for you quickly. Um, uh, It says, I think the name is David. He says, hi, Pimelo. I'm in the ministry now for 35 years. I could not tolerate gays and lesbians. About 25 years ago, I was preparing a sermon and the Holy Spirit convinced me that God desires none should perish and I need to change my attitude. I repented. I still don't agree, but I embrace, accept and love them unconditionally. In fact, I have several friends now and my appeal to the church and religious bodies to stop rejecting these beautiful people and signed David there. I just thought I wanted to end it there. And I thought oh, it's a bit of a you. gift. It's a bit of a gift. Thank, thank you so you. much, babe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of it. Thank you very much. Two o'clock. Let's go to Utsi Lasaku for the very latest in SABC News.